few years ago, the fellowship that we're a part of, the United Pentecostal Church, amended their, I don't know if you'd call it a motto or a tagline or, or, or what you would actually call it, but the words that appear on their emblem. Uh, for years, it was the whole gospel to the whole world. Some years ago, at least sometime during my lifetime, they amended it and added, and now it says the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. I want to turn your attention in Scripture to the word of the Lord to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Our theme this year, and we've, we've preached it, we've taught it, we've prayed it, we've had conversations about it, we've strategized about it, we've wept over it, has been one at a time. One at a time. It's the way that Jesus interacts with people. Certainly Jesus spoke to the multitudes and Jesus had moments where he ministered to large groups, but time and time again, we see Jesus interacting with people one-on-one. -on -one. We see miracles happening one-on-one. -on -one. We see words of direction being spoken one-on-one. -on -one. It's the way Jesus still does it today. It's the way he taught his disciples to do it. And we are his disciples today. And it's the way that if we're going to see lives changed for the kingdom, it's going to be one at a time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want to read that again. If you would, just kind of almost read it along with me if you're able to. This is in the New King James Version. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Read this 12th verse with me. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's try verse 12 one more time together. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You may be seated. I felt impressed in the Holy Ghost to do something a little different tonight. I hope that's okay um, because it's okay with the Holy Ghost and it's okay with me, so um, I'm going to go with it. There comes a time when there isn't another message left to preach and there isn't another lesson left to teach and there isn't even necessarily another charged altar service to have uh, about what the Lord is speaking to us, and we simply have to put into action what the Lord is calling us to do in this hour. 
and that's what I want to talk about tonight. One at a time is something we've, we've preached, we've preached it hard, we've taught it deep, we've prayed about it deep, we've unified around it, and there comes a time when we have to take action together. You may remember in 2017, 2018, 2019, that there was a season where we did something that was very effective for us as a church, and some of you were here and present for that, and others of you uh, have come into the church since then and may not remember uh, us doing this, and so I'm going to try to not take it for granted that you remember it, uh, and I'll, I'll try to, to describe it the best I can. But during several years before the pandemic, we did something on Monday nights that centered around prayer and outreach, and it was team-based. You may remember. You may remember. These are some of our pictures. You may remember. If you dig through Facebook long enough, you can find these pictures just like me. That's what I had to do. Tonight, I want to take just a little bit of time and kind of do a soft launch, a relaunch uh, of, of this kind of concept for the church that is going to begin in the month of May with a month of focused prayer. I believe that's the first thing we need to do, is we need to completely saturate this concept in prayer. I don't want to just launch out haphazardly uh, and just kind of halfway winging it. It's too important for that. And so if we need to take an extra 30 days and saturate this effort and this initiative in prayer, I think that's what the Holy Ghost would have us do. And so in the month of May, what we aim to do is we aim to organize a month of prayer that is team-based around four different teams that are going to be formed uh, over the next couple of weeks, starting tonight. And then, uh, by the help of God, after a month of focused prayer and unifying around this idea and this initiative together, after youth camp season, I go to youth camp for two weeks, say a prayer for me. Um, after youth camp season, uh, by the help of God, we're going to roll out uh, something resembling, maybe not a carbon copy of, but something closely resembling uh, what we've done before as a church, uh, where one team will come together every Monday night each uh, one team will do one Monday night a month, and then the next team, and then the next team, and then the next team, and it'll be on a rotational basis, and one night a week on Monday night, we will do different things. We will, uh, we will pray, we will conduct guest follow-up, uh, we will do some canvassing in our neighborhoods, uh, which is to say door knocking and, and other things like that. Uh, it's really helpful to do that next door to people that are already first-time guests or their kids go to Sunday school, the next-door neighbors, the neighbor kids might play, and community visits. Uh, this, this includes uh, things such as visiting our shut-ins, uh, visiting uh, those that are in the nursing home, visiting anyone who is hospitalized uh, that's from the church, and then also uh, the other facet of community visits is uh, we used to, we would make gifts of some kind and we would take them to uh, the nursing staff at the emergency room. Anyone remember what I'm talking about? Uh, or we would take them to the police station or the ambulance shed or someplace like that. Somewhere in our community where there were people serving us, we would try to serve 
them and make a difference and make an impact on them. And then finally, uh, the, end res- the, the hopeful goal of our guest follow-up and our canvassing efforts uh, and really all of our efforts is, is teaching Bible studies. We want to step into relationship with people where we are coming to the Word of God together, looking for understanding and looking how we can draw closer to Jesus Christ. And so those are some of the components uh, of, of that initiative as it existed in, in its previous iteration. Uh, and, and starting tonight and for the next couple of weeks and even into the month of May, we're going to relaunch that, and, and we're going to do it slowly. We're going to do it with some organization around it, and uh, we're going to do it together, amen? The whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church, amen. the whole church, the whole church. My title tonight, if I had one, would be the work of ministry, the work of ministry. That's the phrase that Paul drops into that paragraph we read in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so tonight, uh, for just a few moments, I do want to minister from that passage about equipping saints work, and ministry. Can we do that for a few moments? Equipping, saints, work, and ministry. And then, and then in just a little while, we're going to have some testimony shared, and we're going to gather around the front. You've seen that these tables are out here, and we're going to have a time where uh, we, we, start to, we start to sign up to be a part of one of these teams. And we'll organize the teams and try to put them together in a way that are going to be maxim, maximum effective. Um, but we're going to start signing up and we're going to start indicating what I would like to be, not even necessarily what I am willing to do, although that's what the card says, but what am I willing to be equipped to do? You see the difference? might not be something you're a thousand percent confident about right now, but what am I willing to be equipped to do? I may not know how to do it right now, but I'm willing to be trained and to learn how to do it, right? That's what we're going to do. Uh, at the conclusion of our time together this evening. First, I, I, I want to talk about those four things, but I want to do it in reverse, if that's all right. So I want to start with ministry. Ministry is, is a word that we see over and over again in the New Testament. And the main thing that I want to point out in this context tonight, for our help, understanding what this word means, is that there is no little m and big m ministry. There is no lowercase and uppercase ministry in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we've stratified ministry and we've put it into levels somehow, right? What what instead exists are roles and giftings. That is real. There are roles and there are giftings. There's a diversity of ministries. But there are no lowercase m ministries and uppercase m ministries in the kingdom of God. There's just ministry, and then within that ministry of the church, there are roles and giftings that differ according to how God distributes them in the body. We talked a little bit about that on Wednesday night. We were in Romans chapter 12. 
Let's, let's read the Romans chapter 12 together. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the work of men. There's that imperative that the Apostle Paul drops into that sentence in Romans chapter. He says, since we have these gifts, let us use them. That's the work of ministry. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. That's speaking gifts. Some people have speaking gifts. I'm talking about public speaking gifts. Some people have those. That's fine. Not everyone has that. Um, Ministry, let us use it in our ministry. Nor he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So everybody is called to ministry. That's the vision of the New Testament for the church, is that everybody is called to ministry. Now, some are called to leadership. Some might be called to the office of a five-fold ministry, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, something like that, or otherwise some other type of leader. Some may have some public speaking, a, a prophetic speaking gift of some kind. But brothers and sisters, that does not mean there are uppercase and lowercase ministers. It just means that we are different members of one body. We need one another. We need the person that works behind the scenes as much as the person that's up in the front of the room. Let's look at the second word. There's ministry, and I told you I was going backwards. There's ministry, but now I want to go on to the next one. The next one is work. 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 Work here doesn't mean the same thing as toil. Work means effort. Work means organization. Marshalling our resources, our energies, our talents, our giftings. Everything that God has blessed us with. Marshalling all of that together and focusing them on a singular task. It means tasks. It means activity. It means, and this is what we're doing tonight, it means make a plan and then work the plan. Make a plan and then work the plan. I said a moment ago, there comes a point at which there are no more messages left to preach. There are no more lessons left to teach. We've plumbed the depths of this topic. We've emotionally preached and passionately preached the heights of this topic. We've wept over this topic. We've interceded. We've unified around this topic of one at a time, reaching souls, making disciples. There comes a time when we have to get down to the work of ministry. And we have to make a plan and then start to work the plan together. Now, Don't think that Brother Dustin's reducing this down to just a mechanical action. The first thing we're going to do for the month of May is we're going to saturate this plan in prayer because that's what the church does. That's that's how it works in the kingdom. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, first of all, prayer. And so we're not reducing this. When I say we're going to make a plan and work, we're not reducing it down to a business model and then just ritualistically, mechanically go through the motions of doing what we, what we come up with together. We're going to saturate it in prayer. It's going to be a work of the Spirit. God's going to bless it. 
and then we're going to work the plan. The, sec- the third, so the first was ministry, the second was work. I want to move on to the next word, and the next word is saints, saints. Now, when Brother Holloway was here a few weeks ago, he referenced this. He had a night where he talked, and it's on the podcast. You can find it. It's on the website. Uh, he had a night where his topic was sanctification, sanctification. You may remember that. It was powerful. And um, one, of the, one of the points that he made was uh, to, to define the word saint for us because you can see the correlation how the word sanctification and saint kind of have the same root word in the original language. And what saint means is holy one. That's us. That's us. If you've been born again of the water and of the spirit, if God's doing a work in your life, you're a saint. A saint. A saint isn't one of those people that, like, I mean, God bless them, but like Mother Teresa and stuff, you know, like, I mean, where they, they bestow a individual that, you know, like, is just almost superhuman in nature. That's not what a saint is biblically. A saint biblically is one of us. A saved person, somebody that the Lord's at work in their life, born again of the water and the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God in their everyday life. And every believer, every saint, that's the word that Paul uses here in Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, that's us, and every one of us has a place to serve in the body. It is without exception. There are, there are no qualifications. There's no exceptions listed anywhere in the New Testament that would suggest that the work of ministry is only for leaders. It would say that for the equipping of leaders for the work of ministry. That's what, if that's what God meant, then that's what it would say. But that's not what it says. It says for the equipping of the saints. Leaders are saints, and people that are not leaders are saints. We're all saints. This is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. This is the way that the Bible describes how kingdom ministry is supposed to happen. The work of ministry is supposed to be accomplished by the saints. The saints. Um, Every person has a place where they can be a part of what we're talking about tonight, what we're going to commit to tonight, what we're going to activate tonight. Some, some of you have limitations. Everyone can find a place to serve and to be a part of what we're doing. I just had a conversation uh, with Sister Shadow. I'm going to put her on the spot. Me and Sister Shadow talked this afternoon. Brother Matt and Sister Shadow, they live over an hour away. They drive in on Sundays. We're so glad that they're a part of the body here at Bluff City. We love them very much. They drive over an hour to be here. They're faithful. They're committed. They're active when they're able to be here on Sundays. And um, we were talking between services today, and, and it, it occurred to me uh, in conversation today uh, that there was a, a place in this plan, in this initiative, that was going to just be a great fit for them because they're able to be here on Sundays. But for them to come on Monday nights is very much nearly impossible. Uh, it's not, that's not reasonable. Um, but, but there is a way, without getting into the details, there was a way that we discussed where they could have their fingerprints on everything that was going to go on 
when we start going out and doing follow-up and canvassing and things like that. There is a place for everybody. I know that there's limitations. Maybe your limitations are distance. Maybe your limitations are, are time or schedule. Or maybe you have physical limitations of some kind. But there is a place where everybody can be involved in the work of ministry. The Lord, the Lord would never give us a command that's impossible for us to be obedient to. He will not, he's not that kind of a God. And so if the Lord has set up a model where the expectation is that every saint is to be equipped for the work of ministry, even though we all have some form of limitations to some degree or another, it is possible for us to be involved. It is the will of God for us to be involved. Every believer has a place to serve. Final word I want to discuss out of that passage, out of that little sentence in Ephesians chapter 4, is the word equipping. Equipping. Equipping is so important. We must be equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's why whenever we fill out these little cards here in just a little while, the, the sentence says, I am willing to do, and then you can circle any of them that apply. But what you really need to think about and how you really need to interpret that is here's what I am willing to be equipped to do because there's going to be something on here that stands out to you that's probably something like yeah I think I can pull that off I think I could manage that there's probably also going to be something else that you're like ah, a little on the borderline like I think I could do that but I don't know I don't know how comfortable I am I don't know how I don't know how I would do that I need some I, I might need a little help with that circle it because we're going to do our best to equip one another for the work of ministry. We can't just charge headlong into the work of ministry. The Bible says that God has given gifts in the church to help us to be equipped for the work of ministry. Even in our gifted areas, we talked on uh, Wednesday night from Romans chapter 12 about the service gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And even if there's an area, Brother Walker, that you are particularly used in, um, in the church... You speak in public, you, you, you're, you, you preach, you teach, and there's others in the congregation that do, but we all need, we, we sharpen one another. We have to be equipped to do even those kinds of things. That, that isn't something that, I mean, there, there's natural, there's, there's ways that you feel naturally comfortable doing, but even in the areas that we're gifted in and used in, we need to be further equipped in those things, amen? It's part of the plan. And so what you're going to see in the month of May and in June and in July and in the months to come, you're going to see things pop up on the church calendar that are opportunities to be equipped. You're going to see things like uh, we're gonna, we, we'll have something about uh, that will help us become uh, better altar workers. You'll see things that are going to help us become better Bible study teachers. You're going to see... Uh, things uh, show up where we have an opportunity that you can be trained uh, to develop your ability to do follow-up. Maybe you're nervous about, like, you're just not a big talker, and you just are nervous about how to have conversation, and there's just we'll, we'll just, we'll just do a workshop, and we'll just, we'll just train one another and become better at it so that we're not intimidated by it. It's not the will of God that we be intimidated by these things. Too many people are intimidated by the work of ministry. 
And it's nothing to be intimidated by. Whether, whether that intimidation is coming from your own natural sense of inadequacy about your personality or your gifts, or whether that intimidation comes from the adversary, which a lot of times it will, that intimidation doesn't belong in your life. You don't need to be intimidated by those things. The, 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 the agendas and the things happening in our world today, they're out in the open doing whatever they want to do. You don't need to be intimidated about, about talking about the gospel. To some, you don't need to be intimidated about doing a little bit of canvassing and, and talking to somebody about what God's been doing in your life. You don't need to be intimidated about picking up the phone and saying, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Can I bring It was so good to have you at church. I want to follow up with you. I want to pray with you about You don't need to be intimidated about those things. We're going to equip that out of us. <laughs> One of the main things that happened in the book poured out is they received this thing called boldness. Boldness. Boldness is what is, is if, if, being, uh, if being equipped is like the glove, boldness is like the hand that goes into that glove. Boldness helps you take a step forward when your personality or the adversary doesn't want you to. Boldness is what causes you to step out. Boldness is what's going to cause you to step out and come up to one of these tables and say, you know what, I'm willing to do something, and I'm even willing to be equipped to do something. Boldness. Boldness. It's not obnoxious. It's not being obnoxious. It's being bold. It's not being rude. It's being bold. It's being direct. Some people, are, some people don't like, have you ever, you probably met somebody who's like, very, a very direct person, not, not rude, not at all, like very kind person, but they're just like more direct than you're used to, and you're just kind of like, ooh, you know? It's okay to be direct. It's okay to be bold. You can be bold without being obnoxious. It comes from the Holy Ghost. There was, I, I want to take a minute and I want to explain because I'm getting ready to get into the nuts and bolts and the practical thing uh, that we're going to do. Um, a lot of our past outreach efforts revolved around focused prayer. This is the work of the ministry, so I'm going to get down into the, into the nuts and bolts of it. Focused prayer is exactly what it sounds like. Almost every night that we went out, there was a group of people, and what we would have a word of prayer together as a team, but there would be people who would, that would be their sole job is to cover that night's ministry in prayer as it happened. Focused prayer. Uh, I'm going to, that's not on the card because I'm going to assume that every single one of us is going to be involved in that. We're just going to take for granted that that's going to be something that every single one of us is involved in. The other things were uh, we would canvas neighborhoods. We would go and we would knock on doors and uh, a lot of times we would knock on the doors of uh, that were neighbors with people that we already had contact with, and we found that that was kind of a fertile uh, grounds for evangelism where we would make good contacts. Um, and, and those of you that went out and did that sort of thing and, or have ever done that before, uh, you can probably testify that that is the truth. Uh, we would do community visits, and I know I've already mentioned this, but I want to go back to it because for some this is new information. I don't want to take for granted that you got it the first time that I talked about it. We would visit... Uh, and do community visits. Uh, we would visit those that were in the nursing homes. We would visit the shut-ins. Um, 
we would, we would take gifts and try to make good connections with people in the communities uh, that were serving us, whether that was nurses stations, that would be police stations, fire stations, um, ambulance sheds, and, and there was all sorts of places and, that we would go, and we would just try to show the love of Christ to them uh, and, and to make sure that they knew about the church, and if there was a personal connection to be made, uh, we would certainly try to do that, but it was, it was very much an operation of goodwill and... Um, and it, and it yielded results. How many remember that? It yielded results. Uh, m- perhaps most importantly of all, we would do guest follow-up. We would have uh, a team of people that would take a small gift of some kind to somebody that had been one of our guests here at the church on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or on an off-night event, and we would do our best to make contact with them ahead of time, and we would go and visit them at their home and we would do it briefly. We, we would tell them, we're not going to take up any more uh, than about five minutes of your time. We're not trying to hold anyone hostage or uh, take up anyone's whole evening. Uh, a lot of times there would be extended conversations as they desired them to happen, but we were not coming in with that as our agenda. We wanted to just make a good connection with them, let them know that we were so glad that they had been our guest here at the church, and we would do a follow-up, and we would make sure that they knew that they were absolutely welcome to visit us, and that we, we definitely wanted them to be a part of anything uh, that was going on at the church. And we hoped that would lead to teaching a Bible study. That was our goal, is, is not only did we want them to attend another service, but maybe even most importantly of all, even better than them attending another church service, we wanted to establish a personal Bible study with them. Whether that was in their home, whether it was in your home, whether it was somewhere on the campus of the church, there's rooms, there's Sunday school rooms, there's rooms that are set up pretty much exclusively for those kinds of settings. They're great environments, and all you'd really have to do is uh, make contact with myself or Sister Carla or someone else, and we would make sure you had access and that the air was turned on and that maybe you even had some snacks. I don't know, you know? I mean, everyone likes snacks, but we'd make sure you were equipped to do everything you needed. Um, and so we, we hoped to get Bible studies and to generate Bible study relationships. And this worked. This worked. We were, you may remember, we were running double van routes. We would, we would end up, we would go, we would go and, and get a load of people in the van, and then we would have to turn, drop them off here and turn back around and go get another load of people. It worked. We had to open up, at one point, we had, for a season, we had to open up Thursday night Bible study. How many remember that? We had to open up Thursday night Bible study. We called it New Beginnings, and that was primarily to accommodate the results that we were seeing out of our Monday outreach groups to meet that need. We were adding Sunday school classes Brother Turner, we were adding Sunday school classes. We were having to divide Sunday school classes. Instead of having a seven, eight, nine-year-old class, we were having to have a seven-year-old class, an eight-year-old class, a nine-year-old class, because these outreach efforts were working. It's what was, it, it, there was things in motion that were happening. Now, you, you might sit back and you might see the pictures that Brother Hunter is flashing up. I don't know where he's gotten these from, but he's, he's done a great job finding these for us. Look at these wild, the wild bunch back there, Okay. You might be saying, Brother Dustin, this sounds, this sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. And I would return again. There comes a point at which the messages have all been preached. 
But I would return to a message I preached, and I talked about Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, and he wrote it to one guy, and his name was Theophilus. 52 chapters. Two entire long scrolls full of eyewitness accounts and the records of what happened in the days of the early church. Countless hours of research, editing, compiling, prayer, confirming eyewitness accounts, corroborating things, actually putting it together to where it made sense to the reader, to where the reader could grasp what was going on and the flow of the story. Countless hours and days and months, maybe even years of work for one person. For one person to be able to read and understand everything that Jesus began both to do and teach. His name was Theophilus. I preached a message about that, and my title was, One is Enough. One is still enough. We're talking about the work of ministry. And it is work. And it is ministry. And there is equipping that needs to happen. And it is for all the saints. And it, it can be a lot at times. But one is enough. One's worth it all. Here's the truth of the matter. We have to be good stewards of the opportunity that God gives us. Every time that we have contact with somebody, every time we have a guest, every time we make a contact on a, on, on a, night, a day through the week, every time we have a Bible study opportunity, we are expected to be good stewards of the opportunities that God gives us. And the way that we are good stewards of it it takes the work of ministry. We're gonna, I believe we're going to be held accountable for our stewardship in these areas. It's a little sobering to think about, but I believe there's going to be accountability. And we've got to be good stewards of the opportunities God gives us. There was a day when... And I've said it, I, I, I already said all the messages have been preached, but my, my mind goes back, Brother Walker, to that day when Jesus entered into Jericho and he saw old Zacchaeus up in the tree. I preached about it a couple months ago, preached about checking the trees. Jesus, walking through at street level, somehow had the, had the knowledge to look up and to see old Zacchaeus up in a tree trying to stay out of sight, but desperately wanting to see Jesus. And there are people in our community that are in the same position as old Zacchaeus. They've climbed up in a tree. They desperately want to see Jesus. But they're kind of trying to, they, they just aren't quite sure they want to be out in the open at the moment. And it's on us to do as Jesus did and to check the trees. To check those trees. And to look up and to find people. Jesus said it another way. He said, I want you to go into the highways and into the byways. And I want you to compel them to come. And that's what this is about tonight. This is a mechanism. Not, not all evangelism, not all ministry that happens in a church happens within the confines of a structured approach like I'm describing tonight. There's a great deal of it that happens organically on its own throughout the body. But I think it's important in any body of believers as established and strong and revival-minded as this church 
to have some kind of plan and structure in place to accomplish the work of ministry. Because time's running out. Jesus said in John chapter 4, as the musicians come, John chapter 4, Jesus said, you know the saying, this is the New Living Translation, he says, you know the saying that four months are between planting and harvest. But I say to you, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. They're white and ready for harvest. Jesus went on in John chapter 9, verse 4, and he said these words, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because the night is coming when no one can work. Brothers and sisters, the night is coming. I think we can all scan up at the sky and we can see spiritually the position of the sun in the sky and we can see that it's approaching the horizon. We can see the events that are happening in our world today and we can know for certainty that the Lord is going to return any day and that night is coming when none of us can work and do the kind of work of ministry that I'm describing tonight. There's not going to be any more repentance. There won't be any more salvations. There won't be any new birth experiences. It'll be over. History will end. Eternity will begin. And Jesus says what I want to say tonight. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. While I still have time, I want to do everything within my power. I want to marshal all of the resources, all of the energy, all of the gifts and the talents, everything at our disposal. I want to draw it all together and I want to make the biggest push for evangelism and soul winning and making disciples that our generation has ever seen. Do you believe that with me? I know you do. We're going to call these teams care teams. Care teams. And they're going to be the vehicle for the work of ministry. Care teams. The reason we chose the word care is twofold. The first is that that word care signifies that we are caring for souls. We're caring for souls. But the second significance to that word is that it means that you care. I know this church well enough, I know many of you well enough to know that there is a deep level of care in this room right now. This church cares about the lost. You care about souls. I know that there's some in their heart right now that that's ringing true for you and you're saying, I do care. I care. 
And so we've called these care teams because it describes what we're doing and it describes what we are. And so what we're going to do in a few moments, Sister Courtney and, and, and anyone who's helping you, let's go ahead and start to set our tables out and put, put things together. For the month of May, we're going to have focused prayer. We're going to have four teams that are going to be formed. doesn't matter what table you come to tonight. We're going to put all the names together and we're going to sort out the teams and get everything leveled out and sorted out. And then starting in the month of May, one team will meet on Monday and the next team will meet on Tuesday for prayer, for nightly for prayer. One team will meet on Monday, one team will meet on Tuesday, then the third team will meet on Thursday, and the fourth team will meet on Friday. And then the following week, there'll be a rotation, and the team that met on Monday will then meet on Tuesday. And then the third week, that same team will meet on Thursday. And then they'll meet on Friday. And we'll do, and every team, we'll go through, and I'll, I'll make a graphic or something to put online that'll make it very easy to understand because I'm afraid it gets convoluted when I try to describe it verbally like this. But maybe you grasp what I'm saying. But we're going to saturate this initiative and this ministry in prayer. That's going to be the month of May. Then, once we come out of youth camp season and we get into June, we're going to activate these care teams for not just prayer, but for things like guest follow-up, for canvassing in our neighborhoods, for community visits, and for teaching Bible studies. And the way that'll work is the way that it used to work when we did something like this in the past. One team will gather on the first Monday of the month, then the next team will meet on the next Monday. And then so on and so forth four times a month. And we will do that repeatedly. And it will give us a structure to be good stewards of the opportunities that God gives us to win souls and make disciples. I want to say again, in a church like this, where there are so many people who care so deeply, a structure like what we're describing tonight is certainly not the only vehicle where this type of ministry happens. It's going to happen all on its own. You don't, have to, you don't have to wait until a Monday night to do the work of ministry. You don't have to wait until Monday and be like, oh, you know, I, I have to wait to call that person on Monday night. I have to wait to follow up or to set up a Bible study until Monday night because that's just the way we do it here. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's the way that we do it by default. We're going to do that so that we don't miss anything. If you feel, if you have a connection or you feel led of the Holy Ghost or you've got an opportunity, by all means, walk in faith and, 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 and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and do the work of ministry. Don't feel like you're bound and that this is some kind of thing that's going to be very rigid because it's not that at all. What we're doing tonight is we're organizing these prayer and outreach teams, these care teams, by having these four tables at the front. Would you stand with me? You're going to see that they've got some ink pens and they've got some cards like the ones I'm holding right now. And they've also got some invite cards. And, and as you come, and this is something that each one of us can do. There's a place for every single one of us can find some way to contribute to this and to do something. And as you come and you, 
you fill out one of these, we're asking that you put it in there, and we're going to put them all together and sort through them and, and, and make sense of it all uh, sometime later this week. And we're going to do this for a couple of weeks. You're going to see these up here again in the next couple of weeks because there's those that aren't here tonight that are going to be here on Wednesday or they're going to be here next Sunday morning or Sunday evening. So you're going to see us doing this for two or three weeks to really get this up off the ground. We're going to talk about it some more. We're going to pray over it some more. But as you come and you fill out one of these and you put it in this box, I want to invite you and, and ask you, take, take some of these invite cards with you and get started early. Start inviting. They're easy to write on. And you can start to step out right now if you want. But there's, there's different tables that are up here. I know this is different. You don't have to feel intimidated by it. It's, it's a little bit different. It might not feel as organized as, as you would like it to be. But why don't you come and step out? There's ink pens up here. Just take a moment. And I've got a couple that are going to testify while this is going on. So don't feel like it's going to get quiet and awkward for a minute. We're going to have a couple testimonies of what the Lord's been doing. Brother Turner's going to testify about uh, their ministry at Bethel this morning. Uh, Sister Christina has a short testimony about uh, something that was happening on outreach.